is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part one with Simon Anthony Roden, we talk about his life path through Kinky Boots to Hamilton and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Simon Anthony Roden. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe. And today with me on Zoom all the way across the pond, Simon Anthony Roden. Simon Anthony, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you because it seems like you're a bit in the future. Uh, we're recording on August 27th, but Hamilton opened August 19th, and theater is yes. moving along in London. Uh, yes, it is. It is yeah. We're eager, eagerly waiting here in New York for things to return. Um, how has it been going? How are you doing over there? Um, I'm doing well, thank you. It's been intense, I can't lie. It's been such a... Sorry, I'm going to um, close the window because it's quite noisy. No worries. So sorry. That's fine. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm back. No worries. Um, no, it's been it's been intense. Um, going, you know, going back to work after sixteen months um, of doing practically nothing, um, and then sort of having to do this mammoth show has been um, quite uh quite a reality check really uh because you think you know what you know when 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 you're off you're, you sort of try to do a bit of exercise and you try to do a bit of vocal warm-up and and also just mentally sort of like seeing people in the flesh for so for such over such a long period of time like it it, it all sort of like just comes flooding back and there's so much to do and think about and to you know and to you know the expectations of so many sort of coming into the rehearsal process as well and seeing the show like there's just so much to think about there's a lot of stamina one has to have in that sort of show. And we're going to talk about your process because of Lola. Um, I've been a part of one of those productions of Kinky Boots, and Lola never seems to leave the stage. So I'm very curious how you keep it moving forward. Uh, but I, before, before we even talk about the present, I want to go back even further for Simon Anthony. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Um... <clears throat> So uh, when I was younger, actually, uh, I used to call, I used to have an email address called movie star forever. And essentially I wanted to be a movie star. And I think, you know, people like Eddie Murphy and Will Smith were certainly inspirations in terms of who I wanted to be and the sort of career I wanted to have um, growing up and being a professional actor. So that's, that's sort of like, I guess, the, the beginning path of me becoming a performer. And, and obviously I guess my career is very different to theirs, but um, it's one that I've sort of like managed to sort of carve out and refine to what I actually enjoy in terms of entertainment and performing. Mm. And when was the decision? Was there a moment in time where you decided I'm going to do this? I'm going to really go for this. I've always wanted to be an actor. So it was, it, there was a decision made and it was purely because uh, uh, you know, influences around me like my you know teachers and things didn't know the industry and so they always sort of like push you to do something that essentially will give you a secure uh, future essentially because acting isn't always necessarily the most secure um uh, 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 career you could potentially take um and so i remember i left um high school and and that was at the age of 16 and i went on to do a college course which is 
just a higher education essentially um and i realized that that wasn't the course that i wanted to do and i had no passion i had no drive to do it and so i dropped out um i i got like, a job um because there, i hadn't had anything in the meantime i just knew i didn't i didn't want to do that and then eventually i um found this college course that was performing arts um and it was it would be able to get me the qualifications i needed to go to drama school and so i just did that off my own back and just decided to sort of take my future into my own hands i love that and what did your parents teach you about work ethic uh, so my mum and dad, they had, um, my, I, I'm, I'm the, I'm one of four children of my parents and they had my eldest sister when they were 18 and 19 and they just, I just think they were just inspirational people in terms of like their work ethic, like they were always working, but we always were a family unit and we never wanted for anything. Uh, and my mum did so many different types of jobs. She used to be a seamstress um, and she now works in a care home. And my dad had um, various different jobs as well. And so watching them go out and do their thing, but also being fantastic parents really showed me um, what it meant to sort of like work hard, but also have things to care about as well. Mm. Um, and so I think those that, you know, though, that that's what I've been taught the most from my parents. I think just like a really great work ethic and, and essentially love. I want to talk about um, kindness real quick. The same same question on what your parents taught you about kindness. And then I want to move into uh, the life path from university forward. So first, with kindness, what did your parents teach you about kindness? So my parents were, um, in terms of like, like they didn't necessarily like teach me this is how to be kind but you know there was that whole saying like teach um, treat people how you would like to be treated mm -hmm. and from their example I would um ever, like they were so popular as, as people as as a couple um and us as a family and and it's because I guess they were kind to people they took time to sort of listen to how people like we were often our household was often the the you know the place where people would come to you know have them talk about their problems sort of thing because for, for some reason my parents seemed to know it all and they and they weren't know it all type of people but people just seemed to gravitate towards them and able to sort of like figure out you know what it was they were going wrong or what the problem was and it was solved by just a, cu a cup of tea and a conversation with either my mother or my father um a lot of like in fact i've got like cousins who um look to um, who look to my dad as a father role a father figure and um and i think that's a testament to the type of person that he, he was oh my goodness now have you listened to these conversations when people have come over to talk about their issues are there any certain questions uh, that come up um you know what it was because it's such a long time ago um all i remember is i would often be um um sort of shoved out of the room because <laughs> maybe it was a little bit too too graphic maybe for my young ears so i don't remember anything in particular but i do know that there were a lot of um adult conversations had <laughs> that's fantastic so it, you know whenever you've had these conversations with your parents as well i'm just curious do they ask you any particular questions or do you ask yourself any particular questions to unlock a part of the brain when you're making a decision about something <clears throat> no, because as I say, like my parents were doers, not necessarily for me in, in terms of growing up. So like sure. rather than sort of like, like 
talking me through a, a thing we would just do a thing sort of thing yeah. and then you sort of learn as you go uh, learn by example essentially yeah. and I think it was uh, it wasn't until my um older age that I then sort of like started to um have conversations with them that I kind and ask questions that I wanted to but like yeah. by that time I sort of had figured things out myself sort of thing and just kind of was almost if anything I think you know I, I guess as, as time has moved on I feel like I'm more of a an advice giver to like my mother at the moment because okay. she is you know in her 60s sort of living in this modern age and having to deal with lots of change and lots of things that are going on in the world you know what I mean so like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the advice I've sort of like taken on that role now I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, other mentors, do other mentors come to mind early in your career or present? And are there standout lessons that come to mind with them? Early mentors. So I guess my m- one of my earliest mentors would probably be um, two teachers that were in my secondary school. One was my drama teacher, and she's really the person who allowed me to believe that I could be an actor and her name was Miss Patel mm-hmm. um, and she, yeah and she was just she just I guess she just saw something in me from when I was uh, you know young and sort of just messing about essentially but she mm-hmm. obviously thought that there was something there worth sort of um, taking on and so she just introduced me to what it meant to be a performer and at a very basic level sort of thing so just like stage presence and um and, and, and various different things that, you know, one would learn at GCSE level. Um, and then uh, just another guy who worked at my school called Mr. Brown, and he was somebody that just talked to me like a human, that like a, a, a real person as opposed to a child, and there was no sort of patronizing. And although he would have been one of those that wanted a secure future for me, he never allowed me to think that that was the only option. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that would have been my earliest sort of mentors in terms of just me as an individual, regardless of being a performer or anything, just sort of attacking the world and, and taking it by the horns and, you know, forging my own sort of like destiny as it were. Um, and then, yeah, sorry, go on. No, 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 no. Keep going, please. This is great. Uh, and then today, today, modern, modern day, I don't know, like, I feel like, um, there's always various different, um, influences. Like I think, you know, doing, um, kinky boots, I feel like, um, Billy Porter was a huge, um, influence and inspiration and what he's done since um obviously he's had like a a, quite a vast career anyway but Mm. since taking on the role of Lola he's really um done so much for the um queer community and for black performers and for transgendered people performers and just his voice alone as well as his work um just speaks volumes that's incredible. Yeah, there's the the point you bring up and it just comes to mind for me, the decision between, you know, like a normal life and this fantastic life full of, you know, every day where something's different every day and it's just, you know, and it's more risk, but it's more reward. And do you ever yeah. have doubts? And if so, how do you deal with those doubts? What's your self-talk? Um, sorry about that. Um, I don't have doubts and I think the reason is is because um I graduated drama school 2009 uh which I can't do the math now but a long time ago (laughs) 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 um yeah exactly Uh, so about 12 years ago I think now um and because of that 
because of that, I had to basically work. And so I, so I had this sort of like, so drama school was amazing and I got lots of interest and got signed by an agent in my final year. And because of the interest that I got in my final year, I expected to just work. I went to one of, one of the best drama schools in the country, mm. um, got lots of interest. I thought, yeah, I'm going to work, did a dessert sort of thing. And then that didn't happen. Mm. And, and thankfully, I had already had a job. Like I worked throughout my whole training of drama school and continued working afterwards. But I expected to sort of drop that and then get some movie deal and become the movie star I always de- um, thought I was destined to be. Mm. Um, but that didn't happen. And I actually... Um, continued working and started working full time um for a really long time until and, and obviously I did like you know small jobs here and there but nothing um major um and it wasn't until I got kinky boots is, is when I sort of was able to sort of take off as a professional performer and really focus on that and that be my main source of income mm. and so because of those years leading up to kinky boots I feel I I made a decision as well to sort of like have a life outside of acting because I feel like it can be all consuming uh, to the point where I was depressed at points. I was anxious at points. Um, and it was because I was just investing myself into this thing that may never happen. And you never know if it happens. And even to this day, like, you know, I'm grateful to be working now, but you don't know when that will end. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so I needed to find something else that um, drove me that I that I um, had an equal amount of passion for. My partner being one, being a homeowner is another, mm. and enjoying the job that I was doing, which was managing restaurants in uh, a small city in, um, called Bristol in uh, in the UK, for anybody that doesn't know, um, and just built a life there. And, um, and I absolutely loved my life, and I still do love my life in Bristol, um, to the point where, you know, we you know if 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 things didn't work out i wouldn't be sad and i'd be able to go back there and have the life that i have and 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 so i just think if i, th- I guess the advice i'd say to people is just don't put all your eggs into one basket because mm. what the life and the world is so precarious and and i think people probably know that more than ever over the last year and year and so that we've had and i feel as though find out what what you enjoy and 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 do that and it might it might not necessarily be sort of like a fantastical career in musical theatre it might be I don't know gardening or something like that but just mm. do do what do what you what you're capable of as well and don't do any more than that because I think sometimes people put too much pressure on themselves to be more than themselves and I think it's important to know who you are and and be the most authentic version of that I love that because it sounds so not forced it sounds like it's just you're just flowing. You know, you're not trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. You're just being, and what comes to you will, you know. Um, with Lola and Kinky Boots, what was that yes. like a glove? Did that just fit right at the perfect time? Was it a tease and you're like, this might not happen? Or what was that? You know what? It- yeah, it did. It did fit like a glove. I have to say, actually, because as I said, you know, I moved to I moved to Bristol, bought mm. a house, happy with my partner, my life, my job. And I was being called to London after moving from London to Bristol. I was called to London to do this job and I didn't really know much about it. And I was just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm happy here. Like, do you really need me? Like, you know, all that stuff. And then when I read the script and heard the music, I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and I think also because of that mentality of having that sort of like, 
blasé nature about it not that you shouldn't care about your auditions but I just don't think I was as desperate as I had been um, previous mm. and so because I was just very sort of like sure of myself I think that sort of like helped me in the audition and then as I say like the material was absolutely amazing and I also never thought in a million years that I'd ever be able to have an opportunity to see somebody because this is before I had the job right mm. so to see somebody like this on a page potentially going to the west end mm. um and that was bonkers to me and i absolutely jumped at the chance to uh, of being a part of that project uh getting it doing it com- repetitively <laughs> what was your what was your stamina you know method of operation how are you keeping yourself you know physically vocally there so uh, physically, um, it's all about rest and it's all about diet as well. Um, and I really learned what my body can do and can't do or can't do without, you know, certain, you know, part of, you know requirements of the diet. Sure. So that was that's definitely a major thing. So, like, I feel like get to know your body because your bo- you know as performers your body is your tool and without your tool you can't do the work mm. and so yeah so um certainly rest hydration as well so water lots of water and 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 just figure out what your body needs um, um diet wise uh, and then vocally um i had a, an amazing vocal coach called um julie gossage um from vocal balance and she was amazing at for me a lot of people always um uh hate me for saying this but, but I mean and I guess I'm embracing it now but I don't consider myself to be a singer although I definitely am singing now I do think I'm a singer now although people hate me when I say that and it's just because you know I trained at a classical <laughs> I trained as a, as a, as a classical um, theatre school and and so it was mostly just acting sort of thing and I was somebody who liked to sing and so I never considered myself to be a singer or a good one at that mm. and then um, I met this lady um, Judy Gossage and she just helped me learn my voice and in a very sort of simple way that wasn't too overwhelming and too jargony and and just allowed me to use it in the best possible way and so mm. I'm really grateful to her for, for for the exercises that she gave me and everything that she taught me as well as um as well as everything else yeah mm. Was there a part in the show that spoke to you loudly, more loudly than others, or one that stands out in your mind as particularly special or an enjoyable moment? Um, the whole thing. See, there's I, so there's two there's two things there because like there's enjoyable moments and then there's also um, things that speak to you. Yeah. Uh, an enjoyable enjoyable moments probably would have to be. I mean, the whole thing to be honest, but like I guess right. Land of Lola coming out for the first time, that was just the best feeling and experience ever purely because you know the audience are looking forward to seeing you and then also being able to sing that amazing song um that is written so brilliantly by um Cindy Lauper like um you know the I'm a walking I can't remember the words now but something along the lines of I'm a walking contradiction like I feel like that's my life in in a couple of a couple of words in the sense that you can't like a lot of people will often pin you to one thing or one box or whatever it is and not realize that you as an individual are a multifaceted person with different sides to your personality um and your feelings and um and I loved that. And so I loved that I could be that big, obnoxious, louder than life drag queen in that moment. But then also songs like Hold Me In Your Heart, which um, 
which uh uh sorry i just got a bit emotional like talking about it but like hold me in your heart like i feel like that's one that like i'm for a long time because i think by the time that i had done kinky boots i would i i was very confident and comfortable with myself and my sexuality um and so i felt as though a song like that was just so profound and so important for the younger version of myself to hear because there was never there was a long time before I came to uh, grips with who I was as a person where I thought I could essentially change myself. But actually, I think it's people that need to change their minds about others, essentially, and just be a little bit open, open minded. And so I think that song in particular really, really resonated with me as an individual. But honestly, the whole the whole thing to the, the whole the, the story, like Lola's story is uh, parallel to, to a lot of people in my own. And so I think yeah. it was really easy to sort of like um, uh, to play the role. That's fantastic. Were there any memorable moments post show backstage around Kinky Boots? Does anything come to mind? Interactions Ooh, or anything that's, particular? That's so long ago now. I know. I know. I put you on the spot with this show, but I'm so curious. <laughs> Um, there was, I mean, like the cast were amazing and yeah. I guess oftentimes like I, you know, to be honest, like, so with Lola, as we said, like she never leaves the stage and if she does leave the stage, she's literally, um, um, <laughs> she's literally getting changed into another character, another, um, costume and another wig and so it's literally a non-stop scenario sort of thing. And if, if ever I did sort of like bump into people, what did I, I used to do something um, I used to scare people um, in my dress room. I think that's as much as I could do. So like if anybody came in and they were sort of like, you know, going about their business, ready to fit my wig. And and then I jump out and I'm pretty sure I put like some of those videos on them um, on, on, online on Instagram, just because, it, you know, something, something to do. In <laughs> You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.